Let us begin in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, welcome to another edition of Seeds of Truth. This is your host, Joe Holcraft, coming to you from KKXX Studios. Chico Life Radio 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Thursday evening, reflecting into uh, this rich topic of theology of the body. And if you are returning from last week, you are probably asking the question, why are we still in theology of the body? Because as you know, I said we are wrapping up the series, but because of the questions that I have received out from one of the programs and uh, collectively the positive feedback from that program, I thought we would re-engage and uh, develop more the subject matter from that night. And that night was uh, the night within Theology of the Body on contraception. And that was the night uh, where I had uh, my, my usual guest, Ivan Moore, with me, along with my wife, Jackie. So yeah, we talked about contraception. We talked about natural family planning. What I've done for this week, this night, is I've asked... I have Gretchen Marsh with me. She is a wife and mother of five boys. She resides in Yuba City. She's a family doctor in Yuba City. So yes, she is Dr. Gretchen Marsh. And uh, certainly I've asked her to be with me here this evening by way of telephone because she is also a Creighton model teacher. That subject matter we talked about five, six weeks ago, as well as a medical consultant for fertility care. So Gretchen, it is great to have you with us this evening. Thank you, Joe. It's really my honor and I'm happy to be here. It's a subject that is close to my heart, and I think it's very important information that all people should know about. And so thank you for asking me. You betcha, Gretchen. And it, and really, it's an honor to have you on uh, this radio program, Seeds of Truth. So you know, contraception, I want to draw a little bit from uh, George Weigel's work, Truth of Catholicism, as he reflects upon this, and to bring back some of our information from a month and a half ago. Gretchen, contraception has been a feverish issue in the Catholic Church, between the Catholic Church and the world for decades. So some clarifications of what the Church is not teaching can maybe help make sense of what the Church does teach about the morally appropriate way to regulate the gift of fertility. This is, again, what we talked about to some degree five, six weeks ago. So what does the Catholic Church say in summary form? The Catholic Church teaches that all married couples are called to a responsible parenthood, in which the issue is not simply avoiding another child, but building a family prudently. As John Paul II has written on a number of occasions, judgments couples make about the number of children they can raise responsibly are made before God with a well-formed conscience. Very important words that come from now St. John Paul II. John Paul II adds that this is a decision that is not made by a government, okay, but a decision made by the couple itself. There can be morally compelling reasons for limiting fertility or for having larger families than a couple might at first think appropriate. So the Catholic Church, Gretchen, in other words, teaches the moral responsibility of family planning. And what's important here, too, is that the issue is not whether a couple should plan their family, but how they live that plan. What is the method of regulating fertility and living responsible 
parenthood that best safeguards the human dignity of the spouses and honors at the same time, we can say, the sacramentality of married love as mutual self-donation and receptivity. This is the kind of subject matter that we have been talking a great deal about here on this program, Theology of the Body. So within the Catholic concept of sexual love, using the natural rhythms of the body to regulate fertility is a more humanistic way, in the language of John Paul II, to live procreative responsibility than using chemical or mechanical contraceptives. As we've talked about in his Janice Smith notes, marriage is about babies and bonding. Huh? So following the body's rhythms honors the design built into creation by God. And it honors the truth that in marriage, man and women are what uh, John Paul II calls the ministers of the design. I love that phrase by John Paul II, the ministers of the design by which loving and giving life are intimately linked. Interestingly, Gretchen, in a culture in which natural has become one of the sacred words of secular society, it deserves to be engaged in light of just not what contraception is, but also its consequences. Yes, absolutely. In my family practice, I see folks coming, you know, they're not seeing me because of faith-based reasons. They're coming for medical reasons. And many women are totally unaware of the physical consequences. And certainly, I think most people are unaware of the spiritual and emotional consequences of contraception. And more and more, when you place it out there as a physician that, have you ever considered family planning as a way to help, you know, regulate time, space, the uh, births of your children? But far beyond that, there's all the other benefits of natural fertility care, natural family planning, which I think are enormous, not just from... A, um, a spiritual side, but um, additionally, the medical benefits of natural fertility care are enormous, and the medical and spiritual consequences of contraception of all types are enormous and largely unknown. Women are not given informed consent on this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which I think, Gretchen, is a huge point and why I have you here with me this evening. You know, five, six weeks ago, when Jackie was here, um, again, as a PA, as a medical professional, she made the point that the informed consent, that's a huge phrase because in a lot of contraceptives, people just start uh, reading the, the small print. And certainly in the actual exchange of the contraceptives from one hand to the other, It's not like there's some sort of audible informed consent. So again, tonight, this is what we're about. What's going on? What are its consequences? And why should we be made more aware of of what's going on out there, especially, Gretchen, in an age where conversation around contraception uh, just isn't welcome if there's a moral component to it. And as, as I talk about this, I want to be clear that this program, as I noted in our last program on contraception, this program is not about condemning anyone. It's really to get the information out there so you have a more coherent understanding of what it's all about. Yes, I think it's very important for all women to know this information. Well, I should say all people, men and women, parents of children who might be being told by the 
physician that your daughter needs to be taking this birth control pill, etc., or young men who are being told that condoms are the way to go, and they desperately need this information, I think. But also, maybe later on, to touch on the positives of fertility care or fertility awareness mm-hmm. of how important that is, which I think is another benefit that people would see that, gosh, contraception doesn't do anything for me on that part. And so, yes, the consequences of contraception, I think, of course, I will talk about the scientific and medical consequences of it. But certainly, I think many people of faith, uh, those who pastor them, will see this as well as why are families falling apart? Why are people struggling in their marriages? And this may actually shed some light, some aspects on those causes that our pastors are are dealing with as well. Yeah, Gretchen, what I hear you saying is that collectively what natural family planning does is it opens us up to bigger picture stuff within marriages. Something that has been discussed in the past here on this radio program is how natural family planning really encourages communication from from one spouse to the other i as as one who can give personal testimony i can tell you if <laughs> if you can talk about the intimate details concerning a natural family planning then certainly it's going to be a lot easier to talk about you know who's making dinner tonight who's doing the laundry who's doing this and who's doing that because the lines of communication have a whole lot less static because in order for natural family planning to work there has to be that open line everyday communication otherwise it won't work and in this personal testimony i'll say it certainly has helped my marriage and i know as my wife has shared and and I know you've talked about in the past, it has helped a lot of marriages in that sense. And so certainly within the context of married life and family life, because the lines of communication intersect that bond of love. So very important point to be had before we engage maybe some of the more medical aspect of um, this subject matter. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree wholeheartedly and the same effects on our marriage. Um, we're much older than you and Jackie. My husband and I had used various forms of contraceptives before realizing what they were all about, and we kind of changed midstream, if you will, Um, and that was a challenge, but my husband will even say that it added so much to our marriage as one of the best things we could have done, and it allowed us to have the children that we discerned by God's Holy Spirit and raise them, and it just added a whole extra dimension to our marriage. So I agree wholeheartedly. Amen. Thanks for sharing that, Gretchen. So contraception in light of the more medical and scientific vantage point, what are some of the things that we need to be thinking about? Well, yes, contraception in itself, we look at the word, it means against conceiving, so it, or against the beginning. And there are different categories of contraceptives. There's chemical, which includes the pill, the patch, the ring, and the shot. There's the barrier, meaning like condoms and diaphragms. Uh, Sterilization, such as vasectomies or tubules. Um, And then kind of an other category, which we put in IUDs, meaning intrauterine devices, uh, spermicides, and uh, withdrawal. 
all of these things do have side effects. Probably the largest category or the ones used majority uh, of people is chemical contraceptives. And that's, of course, where we see most of the side effects. But let's hold that for just a minute to look at sterilization in that we don't fully understand all the consequences of it, such as in a woman who gets her tubes tied, so to speak. Many women do report that hormonally they feel much different and their cycles are different. Now, I don't have any data on this, but we do know that the fallopian tubes, the tubes that will carry the egg from the ovary into the uterus, that the fallopian tube does emit a hormone, which helps the whole functioning of the women's reproductive cycles. Mm -hmm. And when you interrupt that, that can actually, we think, will find problems down the line. Also, there's some questionable information coming out about vasectomies. We think that perhaps the same type of thing is happening when a man gets a vasectomy, meaning he gets surgically sterilized. So again, that's um, an area that is of concern. Barriers such as condoms and diaphragms. Condoms have been widely touted as, oh, the way to help reduce the pregnancy rate. But actually, there's a couple of problems with it that, of course, in used incorrectly, you'll have a very high pregnancy rate. It does not actually slow down the HIV virus. And when used with a spermicide, it actually can help the uh, passage of certain viruses like the HPV virus, which is the one that causes cervical cancer. Mm. Now, if we look at IUDs, IUDs are becoming very popular. Intrauterine devices, there's two major ones on the market. One is called Marina. It's gotten the most press. And the other one is Paragard. Marina has a progestin, I mean an artificial progesterone in it, and it will secrete this at a very low amount, but it does not stop ovulation. So women can actually become pregnant, but then it's very difficult for the child to implant and then grow in the uterus. But more and more reports that I see in here that women have a lot of cramping, and I think a lot of infections, even though it might be properly placed, that they will get what's called a subclinical endometritis. This means a low-grade infection of the lining of the uterus with the normal bacteria that's in the vaginal area. I've just seen too many women who report problems with it and wondering that maybe 10, 15 years down the road, unfortunately, we may see data that's actually produced that the IUDs are not so great. The other IUD actually secretes copper, that copper mm. is leached into the endometrium. Mm. I'm just wondering the long-term effects. Let's say a young woman is 18 years old and decides, I don't want to have children until I'm 28. I'm going to use this 10-year IUD. And this whole time, it's secreting copper, a foreign substance, into her endometrium. I question whether she will be able to carry a full-term pregnancy. We just mm. don't know the long-term effects. Yeah. But women are being told that there's no consequences. It's terrible yeah. because women are just being told this, especially IUDs are especially being used in the inner cities with the very poorest women who have the poorest education as well. And so I think they're going to be taken advantage of is 
while it may not be the company's intention or the uh, medical provider's intention, but that's what I think is going to be happening by default. Mm. You know, Gretchen, as you're talking there, I'm reminded of something. You know, Jackie and I have um, gone out and, and done these, um, you know, marriage prep classes. And, and, you know, Jackie usually talks about this kind of thing. And I'm always struck, in particular by the future bride, <laughs> her eyes. When she talks about the consequences, the side effects, and uh, just, just the, the dangers of what you're talking about right now, the eyes light up now. They'll never speak to her in front of the group. But what she has encountered, and I'm sure you have as well, um, you know, that young lady pulling my wife aside and talking to her. Why didn't I know this? Why didn't I know? And, and, and this just, it always gets me. You know, why didn't I know that I'm putting something in my body that's telling my body not to work the way it's supposed to work? You know, it's a funny thing. And, and again, this always gets me that, you know, there's, there's not really a whole lot out there that we put in our bodies unless we're battling cancer, right? That tells our body to stop functioning the way it is supposed to function. And yet, of course, this is what's going on with with contraceptives and that the particular contraceptives that you're talking about now. Have you experienced this, Gretchen, at all in your, say, in, in your work, but really at the same time, properly speaking, your ministry? Absolutely. I've had the same experiences as Jackie has. Every single time I talk, people will come up, usually the women, and they usually are a little angry. And I think the reason why they're not told, unfortunately, is most of the time, the provider does not know either, and that includes, you know, physicians, you know, and physician assistants, nurse practitioners, midwives, everybody. I would hazard a guess that most ob don't know the data, and if they really sat down and started looking at it, they would hopefully start thinking a little bit differently, at least give women informed consent, especially the young girls. Mm-hmm. Um, it's I see 15-year-old, 16-year-old girls uh, from other practitioners, and the girls are never told anything, and they say, the doctor never even examined me. They just gave me this, and that's just astounding. I would never give someone a blood pressure medicine mm. or an antibiotic without examining them. Yeah. And yeah. I, we become very cavalier in the medical community about these things. Mm. You know, Gretchen, I just want to reinforce an earlier point that I made as it relates to uh, what we are here about tonight. This is not about condemnation. It is about uh, formation and coming to an understanding of, as Catholics, why we believe what we believe. Um, And if it's a a simple inquiry after this program that someone has, please don't hesitate to send me your email at jholljmj at yahoo.com. I welcome those questions, and I'll send those questions on to Gretchen we need to be mindful that in the Christian journey of faith, Gretchen, that behind every no, there's an immeasurable greater yes. And uh, if we are saying no to one thing, then we are saying yes to another thing. And so I do really encourage our listening audience to be thinking about this. I was hoping to to get into a little bit, especially as we're coming up on the month of October here, <laughs> a few weeks, and Breast Cancer Awareness Month, um, maybe some of the connections that are out there uh, I know even the FDA has come out and made a, f- a few statements on, on this relationship between some of the contraceptives you've already talked about and breast cancer. Absolutely. There's a lot out there. 
And, yeah, I think we stop and pause and think that what's usually morally good for us is medically good for us, and what mm. something is not morally good for us is generally not medically good for us. Well said. You know, God, God is all about life and love, and we don't break His laws. We actually demonstrate them and end up breaking ourselves, and I think mm. it breaks God's heart. Mm. And this is one of the things, I think, that's manifested here is the breast cancer rates that are increasing. It's unfortunately fascinating because if we move into the largest category of contraceptives, that is the chemical contraceptives, the pill, the shot, the ring, the patch, etc. The shot is a progestin-like substance. The pill is usually an estrogen-like substance and a progestin-like substance. The patch is usually a combination of those two, as well as the ring. And we do know that with uh, chemical contraceptives, contraceptives, especially getting into the pill, which is probably the most widely used around the world, we do see an increase in breast cancer. Interesting statistics that come out from our own U.S. government, which runs usually quite very good statistics, and the latest download that we have through 2009, a comprehensive um, look from 1979 through 2000, pardon me, 1975 through 2009. Um, and it shows that the, on U.S. data that breast cancer has been increasing quite alarmingly. Now, let's start looking at breast cancer. What is cancer? It's the abnormal cells that start dividing without any control, and they invade the tissue nearby. And of course, other cancers, of course, it will spread through the blood or the lymph system, but with breast cancer, it's a local uh, spread initially. So if we look at the rates of cancer, the ones that are held right locally that have not kind of broken through the little area that it's in, and we call that carcinoma in situ, and that means in that site, um, the rates of incidence for all races, except Hispanics, has risen by 30%, actually, from 2005 to 2009. If we go back even further, it's higher. Now, for Hispanics, it's been 21%, although the trend is now increasing up to the other races. Now, if we look at the annual incidence of breast cancer, and we go back to 1975 of carcinoma in situ, and generally this is before menopause, the rates in 1975 were th around three people per 100,000. In 2009, it was up to 14 per 100,000. The all races older than 50, it went from 11 in 1975 up to 96 in 2009. Mm. That's carcinoma in situ. If we look at the invasive cancer, it's still quite high, and the trend is still up as well. Now, here's the most alarming thing that really has caught me. There's something called triple negative breast cancer. Triple negative breast cancer is when there's no estrogen receptors, progesterone receptors, or a third one called the human epidermal um, cell receptor. So it's not going to respond to hormone modulation. They, with some women, they take an anti-estrogen as part of their breast cancer regimen. It won't work in triple negative. It usually 
is before menopause. It's very poor options as far as treating it. And what we do know that the risk for triple negative breast cancer in women younger than 45 that is largely greatly increased with oral contraceptive use greater than a year. So if you look at a woman who's younger than 45 and has taken oral contraceptive for greater than a year, just based on that one variable with all other variables held or controlled, her risk for that will increase 2.5 fold, be two and a half fold or times the increase as someone who never used it. Mm-hmm. And the more she uses it, the longer she uses it, of course, that increases. And so you get something that's called a relative risk of 4.4, which is one is being neutral. And then you get this statistical ratio kind calling 4.4, which is, is highly significant. So we see breast cancer increasing, especially a very aggressive premenopausal breast cancer. And it's been proven that the association with oral contraceptives is there. It's awful. So with breast cancer, it is it is there. There's other effects of chemical contraceptives. Uh, generally, there's increase in blood pressure. We also know there's an increase in thrombus, which means like clots in the vein, and um, emboli, meaning clots that go to the heart. I bet most women didn't know that with especially certain types of contraceptives, they increase their risk of heart attacks and strokes mm. Mm. Um, with the pill and the patch and the ring. And just it's astounding to me that the people who do the research know this. Yeah, It was published in 2012 that they knew that there would be an increase in the heart attack and stroke risk. But the lead researcher, and this was put in a major medical magazine, that it's safe enough, and that's all that matters. It's safe enough, and they still put it on the market. Uh, you can tell I'm getting hot under the collar that <laughs> it's just terrible that we're doing this, that 13, 14, 15-year-old girls are put on these products, as well as older women, and the consequences are never described to them. You know that phrase, it's safe enough. I want to take that person who said that, put 10 glasses of water before that person, and ask her to drink from one of those glasses. And But before she drinks, I want her to turn away, and I'm going to put some poison in one of the glasses, two of the glasses, and three of the glasses, and, and I'm going to ask her to drink a glass. And she'll probably say no, but I'll say to her, well, it's safe enough, isn't it? I mean, at what level do we say there's a right from wrong with some of this? This is the challenge that at the very least, Gretchen, um, I think we have to start looking at uh, as Christians, what, what's going on here. So this is why I say, I mean, making inquiries into the subject matter, uh, I think is a first step for us and for our listening audience. So that's what I uh, humbly encourage our listeners to do. No, Gretchen, we are out of time, and I wish we had more time. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have you come back sometime in the future. I don't know how soon that will be. On behalf of our whole listening audience, Gretchen, I do want to thank you for the gift of your time and the information you shared, and hopefully it is beneficial for our listening audience. I'm, I'm sure it is. No, Gretchen, I don't know if you had any closing words. Yes, um, absolutely. The information is out there. And um, so many of us have access to the Internet, and we can access this information. Um, This is the way doctors and other medical professionals do. They get on the Internet, and they start putting in uh, search information. And um, 
So anyone can do that, and they can find this information as well, and um, um, they'll be quite surprised. Mm. Well, again, thank you, Gretchen. I, I, I appreciate I appreciate your insight and your gift of time. Let's go ahead and close with uh, a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end, amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 6.30 p.m. If you'd like to hear this program or find out how you can help support Seeds of Truth, the website is joeholcraft.org.